Hello and welcome to another recording of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, I want to ask you a question here that's probably a fourth grade, probably an irrelevant question, but something that is probably probably also one of these ones kind of fundamental that we don't really think about all that much. And it's the concept of the forgiveness of sins. So I know that as a person, I can forgive people who do wrong to me. And I have that ability. My fundamental question is, why does God need to be involved for the forgiveness of sins? This is something that we say in virtually every Mass. We thank God for the forgiveness of sins. Why do, fundamentally, why does God need to be involved? That's essentially my question. I know this is very elementary level type stuff, but it's something that as I was sitting there during Mass, I didn't have a hard answer to, and you tend to answer all my questions that I don't really have the answers to. <laughs> so that being said, I want to give the floor to you. Yeah, well, it's a great that you're paying attention to the Mass. <laughs> I love uh, the example that you set there, and I hope that all of our listeners will follow that example. And I love how you collect your questions, and uh, we can talk about them. And that's a good thing for our listeners to do as well and find their own uh, priest or friends, theologians, whatever. In fact, if you, you could probably Google a lot of these things and get a lot of different answers as well. So, But it's just important that we ask these questions for ourselves. Um, we say, we talk about the forgiveness of sins, not in virtually every Mass, but multiple times in actually every Mass. Uh, we, we pray the Our Father, of course, and we ask the Lord that He might forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Uh, we use the word trespasses, but the same kind of concept there. And then the words of consecration, which are used in absolutely every Mass, or it's not a Mass. Uh, this is the chalice of my blood, the blood and the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. So in the Our Father, we use the word trespasses, and uh, I don't know exactly why they translate it that way, but perhaps... Uh, to indicate the difference between maybe a sin against God and then a trespass against our, our brother or sister. As you say, when you offend a particular person, then that person is the one who has the power to forgive you. And uh, that's something that we need to work out when we offend somebody. You know that your marriage would not have lasted long if you had not learned how to ask your wife for forgiveness she had not learned how to ask you for forgiveness, and you had not learned how to forgive each other. So certainly the importance of forgiveness between two human beings is, uh, is obvious, I, I suppose, for relationships to build, for community to build, for families to build. But then if we, if we zoom out a little bit and look at the, the big picture, God, God is love. And he is a trinity of three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who are united in love as truly one God. And God is also being. And so now I'm just moving into a philosophical category. Don't get lost. But everything that exists participates in being. That's just a definition. If you exist, you have being. And God is being. And God is love. And so being is made up of love. That's the, uh, the fundamental thing. And just like your marriage, which is 
exists because of love between two individuals freely chosen, being is also held together by love. And so sin is something that doesn't only offend a particular person, it actually rips apart the very fabric of being. Let that one settle in there for a moment. Sin rips apart the fabric of being because as we read in John's gospel, all things in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. All things were made through him. So creation reflects God's love. It participates in God's being. That being is love. And so it holds together on following God's law. And, and God's law is a law of love. St. Paul tells us that the entire law is fulfilled in this, love one another. So that's, and, and Jesus, of course, tells us those are the commandments that summarize all the other commandments. And so when we, when we sin against love, which is really what all sin is, when we violate God's law, when we reject him and rebel against him, when we rebel against his law, we, we disrupt, we shatter the harmony the loving balance that holds everything together. And so now hopefully you're starting to think, well, how can this ever get any better? I mean, if you've ripped apart the fabric of being, who are we to be able to put the fabric of being back together again? And if you wonder about the fabric of being being ripped apart, I mean, just look around. The amount of violence, hatred, rebellion, division, the amount of suffering, death, catastrophe, chaos. I mean, it doesn't take much imagination to look around and say, everything is not all right. And the basic point is that everything is not all right because of sin, because sin has ripped apart the fabric of being since that original sin of Adam and Eve. And then that has cascaded through further damage throughout the course of time. And so, again, we ought to feel like, how can I possibly put this back together? How can we possibly do this without God? Then we could ask the question, well, why doesn't God just sort of snap his fingers and make it all better again? Well, he wants us to participate in putting it back together. Maybe not unlike a parent who wants a child to participate in putting it back together when the child smashes something or breaks something or damages a relationship or you know, breaks the lawnmower or whatever, the parent may not want to uh, just send it away or fix it up him or herself, but want to involve the child in putting it back together. There's something instructive about that, but the child couldn't do it without the parent. And, and that's where we stand in terms of putting being back together. We need God to do that. And that's why he has eventually laid the groundwork in giving us the law and speaking to us in the prophets in forming covenants, if you think of sin disrupting and causing division, then you should think of a covenant as something that's putting things back together. A covenant is a mutual commitment between two people. And that commitment is what makes family. The difference between family and uh, friendship or family and uh, acquaintances is that families are bonded together for life. And so we take each other's name. We, we live in each other's skin, each other's household. We, we're bonded in this uh, very beautiful and intimate way, flowing out from the very marital bond of husband and wife, but then that being fruitful to create families, which are uh, really a remedy 
for the division caused by sin. So God formed covenants with his people to put things back together, to uh, start to heal the damage of sin. But then he also comes himself to form the new and everlasting covenant for the forgiveness of sins. Remember how that goes. This is the blood of the new and eternal covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And he forms that eternal, new and eternal covenant in order to be the ultimate remedy for sin, to bond all together into one family, healed by his blood. And he steps into the consequences of sin and he bears them all himself. So uh, to come back to your point, you know, we can work things out between individuals because, you know, I offend you and you feel hurt and then you forgive me. You know, I ask forgiveness or whatever, you forgive me and then we reconcile. You felt the hurt of my offense. And that's always a part of healing is, is feeling the hurt of the offense. And part of the healing is also for the offender to feel the hurt of the offense. And that heals and reconciliation. So God steps into all of our offenses. He steps in and, and feels, he bears the consequences of all of our sins. He carries all of our suffering. And then he's in a place also to reconcile, to forgive, and to heal by his blood, and to make it a new and eternal covenant and a, a new creation in the place where sin had torn everything apart. So that's, a, that's basically what what is happening. And uh, hopefully that motivates Christianity in a pretty significant way for anybody who's listening. If you want to face the evil that's in the world, if you want to overcome the division, if you want to have a path through handling suffering and uh, finding meaning in the midst of the chaos that reigns around us, then, then Christ is the only way. And that's something that, as you mentioned there, you can't have the ability to grow without the ability to fail. As you mentioned there with, with children, you have to let them fail to be able to grow. And when you start with the definitional argument of this is what being is, and you look at it from a perspective of, we have discussed in one format and another humility, essentially for the last three months, that we are capable of, impacting being from a, a philosophical level that is something that um quite frankly i didn't give us enough credit for <laughs> the, the lack of a better way of saying that and that would make sense that when you break it down to its, its fundamentals that the only person who can put being back together is god and that that these sins even if they are alone or inconsequential is how we might look at it um, you know, running through a stop sign when there's no one else around might seem like it's nothing to you. You still fundamentally are breaking the law. I mean, that's a fact. So at the end of the day, um, that's, well, that's a law of man. There are laws of God that each of us are faulting with each day. And to think of how the compounding effect is and how the only way to truly fix this is is with God because yes, there are things that when Teresa and I are going through life, we had to figure out how to forgive each other, how to grow and to move on. And part of that growth could only happen with the failure of it. Um, it it's just kind of one of these things that's, that, that's remarkable to me that even though it's by definition, we are 
ripping apart the definition of being that 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 we even get that power and if you think of that that's an extension of free will that that god has created all this in an opportunity and a vessel for us to grow the only way you could truly grow is if you're also given the power to truly destroy and we can break this entire thing around us this entire society relationships and all that um if we don't grow and in doing so is is the ultimate answer of, of why we need to ask christ to forgive our sins this isn't just hey i'm sorry guy thank you cool let's move on this is this is something much more important than that and something that i hadn't really ever given thought to so i i thank you for for elaborating on that about the importance because well it's something we say or we listen in every mass you say it i listen to it um in every mass that it can just roll over and be like, okay, all right, Jesus forgiven sins. We all kind of forgive people. All right, blah, blah. But the actual importance of it to actually sit down and think of it is, is vital. And, uh, and, and I thank you for giving there. And I'm sure that I've missed, a, I missed one or two things along the way, but, but I appreciate you giving us, I guess, that answer there. Yeah. And, and just to nuance a little bit of your uh, response there in terms of, you know, in order to, grow, we have to have the power to destroy. Uh, of course, that's not uh, true in the sense of, you know, a dandelion grows and it doesn't have the power to destroy. But but it's something unique about human beings that God does entrust so much to us that he actually entrusts to us the power to destroy, that he has entrusted to us through our free will, the power to tear apart being. As you said, when we started, you didn't give us enough credit for the amount of damage that we can do. Uh, yes, we can actually do a tremendous amount of damage. And uh, like parents who, you know, the higher, the uh, the more powerful the family, I suppose, you know, the, the richer the family, the higher the stakes, you know, what those children can do. And uh, they can do a lot of damage. And at that level, uh, a noble child can destroy very, very expensive things, much more expensive things than a poor child can destroy. And we are children of the king of kings. And we can destroy really expensive things like lives and uh, reality. We can destroy the very fabric of being through our sin. We, we have a tremendous amount of power because God has given us that power, not because it's some, somehow inherent to us or that we deserve it or have earned it, but, but because of uh, God's love for us and his desire to, for us to have the power to do great things, he has given us the power to uh, do great damage. And they really go hand in hand. And so it's a matter of taking seriously what uh what kind of power we have and then trying to grow in that i mean what a what a magnificent thing i don't want to leave it with just this uh, very dark image of how bad things are and that we need god to come in and rescue us but as i said he wants us to participate in that as you mentioned i am the one after all who is saying the words and god entrusts that power to his priests and to his people to participate in those sacred mysteries that help to put reality back together. Your participation in, in mass helps to put reality back together. It starts to put things in order. It starts to bring order into the chaos. It starts to bring peace into the violence. It starts to bring love into the, into the hatred and evil that's around us. 
And that, that love, that worship, the mass, the blood of Christ, that has the final word. And so we align ourselves with that final word by celebrating, participating in the celebration of, of Holy Mass. And as we go, obviously Mass is an important sacrament that we all receive. We receive the Eucharist at it. But the sacrament that's the true forgiveness of sins is confession. And obviously we've discussed this on and off again throughout this recording that we've been throughout the years. But confession is is obviously something that's calls us to go to that's a little bit more than than the typical mass. You know, you have to truly reflect upon what it is that we did wrong and, and truly ask for forgiveness. Not to say that the mass doesn't do that in its own great way, but in a very much more personal open way that confession does that. And that was the, the part that I ultimately wanted to get to with this was since Jesus ultimately is the one who is forgiving sins and we kind of outlined the importance of why and why that is necessary to kind of give an opportunity to outline, all right, this is how we actually do it. You know, it, it, it's okay to say, I'm sorry, or, or to, to turn back or to dog your knives of hostility, if you will. And that, how do we actually go through it and, and get better? Part of that growth is, as you said, we have to feel each other's pain. We have to see the pain that we created. And that is part of the preparation, at least in my understanding, that's part of the preparation for confession is what did I do wrong and how did this impact those around me? And in doing so, I believe that that's part of what we need to discuss. You know, that the confession truly is the answer to move forward. I mean, that's where we grant our forgiveness. You know, we, we've discussed many times about how God doesn't give us more than we can handle, but he also gives us a lot of things here. He gives us the true freedom to destroy and to build. And... You know, as you give that the, the description there of a child, like you can have a prettier cup you can destroy if you're in a rich house versus a poor cup. But at the end of the day, we still can break a lot of stuff. And that's a problem. <laughs> and to look at this to see how we can move forward, to me, the tool that the church gave us was confession. Now, I might be completely wrong. And sometimes you give me this look like I'm wrong a lot. and I'm just kind of used to it. And I apologize for that. But to me, that seems that that is the, the ultimate gift that can recognize, hey, you guys are children. You're going to mess some stuff up. Probably shouldn't, but you're going to because that's life. This is how we can fix it. And we've discussed in the past how little this sacrament is received. And I want to essentially give an opportunity in this podcast to, to talk about that. But yeah, just to orient things in the in the right way, it's it's really the the cross, which is the source of our forgiveness. So the passion, death, and resurrection of Christ, who is God made man. And that sacred mystery of the passion, death, and resurrection of Christ is renewed in the celebration of the Eucharist. And so the Eucharist is the source, center, and summit of all grace in the church. So everything flows from the Eucharist and everything returns, finds its fulfillment in the Eucharist, uh, not just in receiving Holy Communion, but, but in the celebration of the Mass itself. So uh, 
one of the ways that we so in the in the Eucharist already there is the forgiveness of uh, of sins, uh, and we we receive that and participate in that healing action of Christ that He brings about through His passion, death, and resurrection. Uh, we also recognize that there are ways that we can we can break things in big ways and in small ways uh, is one way to say it that we can really destroy God's work in our souls. We can destroy God's charity in our hearts. We can cast him out of our lives. So those are the sins that St. John calls deadly that have come into our Catholic tradition as mortal sins. And the church recognizes, I think, uh, several points that make it really important for us to be forgiven of those mortal sins through a separate sacrament, that sacrament of confession. And so we have that uh, personal application to manifest. And uh, as you mentioned, it makes us uh, feel the pain of it a little bit and the, the reality of what we've done and some of the shame that goes with it and the helplessness that we feel to undo the damage. and. So we, we bring our mortal sins to confession for sure. That's how the church, uh, the church's ordinary way for those mortal sins to be forgiven and for that damage to be undone, for the chaos to be reordered. Uh, but that sacrament of, of confession, of reconciliation, is really a, a beautiful gift that uh, we can participate in uh, often not just when we have mortal sins, but regularly, weekly, every two weeks, uh, monthly, at least. I'd say every Catholic, serious Catholic, should go to confession every month. And uh, at least the church absolutely requires once a year. But if we're going to be serious about our faith, I think monthly confession is a good, uh, a good rhythm to enter into. And we have the opportunity in confession to get up close and personal with the things that we have done, the ways that we have sinned, the ways that we have introduced more chaos rather than more order, the ways that we have broken things, broken relationships, we've ex displayed broken behaviors, and we have the, the opportunity to share that in under absolute confidence with a representative of Christ himself, one that we can talk to. See, this is the thing. We can do this in the context of the Mass, and we should. We have a little penitential right at the beginning of Mass, and we hear those words that his blood is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. We know that the reception of Holy Communion cleanses us and forgives us of our, our venial sins. At least we should go to confession before, uh, after any mortal sins before receiving Holy Communion. But uh, for those of us who are in the regular practice of the faith, this is a regular way that our sins are cleansed. And that's a good thing, but it makes a difference when we speak these things out loud and we allow that grace of God's forgiveness, which is made present in the Eucharist, to be personally applied to us through the sacrament of confession. There's a way of, of taking that uh, through a, a personal encounter. I, I don't know, maybe it's the difference between uh, doing your, your medical workup on PubMed as opposed to going to a doctor and having a conversation with him. Uh, you know, maybe you can even get some of the same uh, antibiotics or something, or maybe you can't even. 
if if you're doing it in, in a different way. But all of it does originate from the Eucharist. It is applied to us during the Mass, but then having that personal encounter with the priest and the sacrament of confession is also uh, extremely helpful and important and, and helps us to cultivate a sense of sinfulness and a, and a, a practice, a habit of self-awareness and uh, of repentance and really living a life that is seeking constant communion with God, seeking constant reconciliation with him. And so it's really a beautiful gift, the sacrament of confession. And I appreciate you outlined that because as we are practicing our faith, mortal sins don't really come along all that much. You know, you're not going to walk down the street and go, oh, I'm going to run over this whole crowd of people standing on the sidewalk, um, you know, as you're driving your car here. So as I was brought up, just as you articulated right there, you're required to go to confession at least once during Lent every year. That was kind of my teaching. And as we've kind of gone through this, we've articulated some people have been wrong and some things they've told me, but nonetheless, um, that has been the, the you know the as you just articulated the 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 minimum, and the part I appreciate you just outlined there is that while living our faith does not take us in the territory of mortal sin, you know we shouldn't be walking around looking for opportunities to do mortal sin if we're living a Christian life, but at the same time we are going to have faults and shortcomings, and that's just life. And I appreciate that you saying that that's also part of being a normal Catholic. You know, this isn't, you're going to be perfect every day. This will certainly help you live a better life than if you didn't. I mean, that's evident and something that I've tried to weave in and out of many episodes throughout, but we are going to have a shortcoming or two throughout life. And your recommendation of going to confession, at least bi-weekly to be something to carry through us is a, it's a strong thing for us to carry moving forward here to figure out how to implement that into our lives. Um, you know, there's always a priest around somewhere. Um, and there's joy of the internet is you can look up when they're doing confessions and something that we all can implement into our lives. So that being said, Father, I want to give you the chance to conclude today's episode as we move forward into the week ahead. Yeah, well, I just appreciate the question, Joe, about the forgiveness of sins. And again, your observance at Mass to not just let all these words wash over us as if they're some kind of magical language that doesn't mean anything, but it has a content. It means something. And if you don't understand what it means, ask the question. So you're a, you're a great example for us. Well, thank you for that, Father. And I appreciate everyone out there who has listened. And please continue to su submit, subscribe. And please also leave us reviews because they definitely do help us move through the rankings to help us grow more and more. So thank you, everyone out there. We'll be with you again next week.